I hope we all are doing good this morning. You know, it kind of feel like about like I'm preaching to the the choir, and and, and that's okay because sometimes the choir needs to hear <laughs> the message of the Lord. Well, I need to go to the eye doctor to work that, and then I got to use our printer broke, so I have the sermon on here, and the letters are real small, so. We'll see how this goes, but it's going to go good, right, Miss Karen? Oh, no. I have my glasses, and they still don't work that well. It's running low. Oh, he's got another one. Yeah. That is an Aggie right there. Normally, Longhorns, we, we have the one closest to you, the one that goes up. Yeah. No, 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 no. All right, here we go. The time is short for this sermon, so waste no time. You know, this week the Lord had just been talk, you know, just speaking to me and talking to me about what I see around me, what I see going on in those that call themselves Christian, and how many people that are just lost. And it's so, so far away from God. And I kept thinking, you know, what is it that's keeping them to just cross over to become a child of God? Because not everybody's a child of God. We are creations of him. But not everybody accepts him as his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what is it that's keeping them from that and giving their life over to Jesus Christ? And then they led me to this book of Ephesians here in chapter 5 where it talks to us here. And Paul is writing to the, the Christians of the day because these problems were going on within the church. And, you know, our time here on earth is very short when you look at it. I mean, th- this week the, the, the queen passed away and she was 80-something I, I, 90-something. Not many people make it to 100. You know, it seemed like a long time, but when you're 58, it's like, it's right there. (laughs) You know, not many people make it there. So what is it that we can do during this time in our life that will really just honor, uh, honor God and he can use us through this short time that we have? And I believe the answer is living our life Christ-like. Just like he tells us here in this verses that we'll be uh, looking over here. And let me ask you this question. Are you making the best use of your limited time on this earth for the Lord's work? Now, I want that to sink in. I'm not talking about doing good. Even the devil does some good things. You know, but I'm talking about here doing the Lord's work, what he has called us to do. You have your Bibles turned to um, the book of Ephesians chapter 5. As I crash, scratch this mosquito got me. But ADHD. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. We're going to be reading and looking through 15 through, through 21. And it says here, it says, be very careful then how you live, 
not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This group of verses starts off here by saying, Be very careful then how you live. Some uh, translations say how you walk. But he said, not as unwise, but as wise. Why does he say that? And I believe the reason he says that because God knows that people are looking at us because we call ourselves Christians. People are looking at us to see how we respond to when things aren't going good in our life. So live wisely, not, not unwisely. See, we need to be very careful how we live our life. You know, the word careful in the Greek means exactly that, just being careful. But when you add very to it, very careful, it changes the meaning a little bit to where it means exactly, precisely. We need to live our lives very exactly and precisely in the way of the Lord is what he's telling us here. We need to be right on track, not what we think it is, but what we know it is because through his word it tells us that. You know, life is a bit like, like when you're driving on, on the road. I've never driven on the road, but I, I've written on the road in Nicaragua where the bus driver is going around the mountain to get to where we needed to be in the jungle. And the, ram, the bus was full, so I sat right by the steps where you can see down on the, the door. And then literally there was times I did not see the road. And all I saw was like way, way down there. And you could see that other buses did not make it. But I'm telling you, I was praying for that bus driver that he can be exactly where he needed to be. And he was precise on his driving because my life was in his hands. And I remember once we made it to our destination, I told the guy leading us, can we take a different road going back at the end <laughs> of our time here? But you live wisely and none wisely. He made a wise decision. We took a different road. It was a long way around, but hey, I enjoyed that. Verse 16 says, making the most of every opportunity. Other translation says time because the days are evil. We are to make the most of this uh, limited time that we have here on earth. The fact is that we don't know how long we got. We don't know when that last day on earth for us is. But God does. He does. 
So it's up to us to make use of every opportunity that he gives us, every day that he gives us, that we can just live our life foolish to please him and share his gospel of grace and love and forgiveness to those that need to hear that gospel. You know, he has, God himself has appointed that time for us on, on earth. He's pre predetermined that time and, uh, of our life here on earth. And we know that our life will not go forever. We have a limited resource of time that we have here. What are you doing with your limited resource of your lifespan that God has given you? Is it important we make the most of it? I hope you feel that way. Every day that I wake up, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for another opportunity that you've given me, Father, to reflect your glory. Every breath that we take is because of him. Ephesians 5, 16 goes here, says, making the most of every opportunity time because the days are evil. You know, the days are evil now, too, aren't they? We look around, and things are a little different than when we were teenagers. You know, we try to talk to our kids sometimes, and, and Big Al and I were talking about this morning, how things are so much different right now. But you know, back then the days were evil also. That's why Paul is writing this to those that believed. Those that call them themselves Christians because the days were evil. And a lot of the problem that they had back then that Paul, uh, God through Paul wrote this letter is the same things that we're dealing with today. And days are going to continue to be evil until the day that he comes. You know, I was looking and when talking about the days of evil, I looked up Nero and the things that he did that were just so, so awful. Hitler and, and Stalin, the things that they did that were just awful, awful, awful. And now the days that everybody argues about is abortion and the killing of the young. You know, all of that is taking away lives. But the Bible has already told us that those days were going to be evil. But they're going to be evil only until Jesus returns. That's why I say there's no time to waste. There's no time to waste. I mean, he might come before the latest Bible study starts. He might come before we eat lunch. Well, I hope not because I'll, I'll need to eat. But <laughs> you, we never know when he's going to come. But we must be ready for his coming. And one thing that I've always shared with Lisa is like, I hope when he comes I'm doing exactly what he wants me to do in this world. Making the most of our limited time. And 16 continues, says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. 
You know, many times we have come, oh, literally we have come to make God's will a mystery. Like, oh, how do I know what his will is? And we're out there searching like in, 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 in the clouds and stuff, just trying to see God's will when he tells us in his Bible what his will is. You know, there was times, I remember I asked a, a man, you know, when you're 18 and you see cousins around you getting married and stuff, and they just marry some random girl that nobody even knew, I started asking myself, well, how do they know that that was the person they were to marry? You know, how do they know that that's who God had for them? And many times, not only do we ask those questions on, on, on who are we to marry, what, what job shall I do, where should I live? And we seek to hear from God for him to tell us what to do. And you know, we make the will of God that mystery. Yet in the Bible, it is never a mystery. I'm going to tell you today, where you can find the will of God. You'll find it in this book, the holy book, his word. But in order to find it, you have to study it. You have to just bury your eyes and just let God speak to you through his word. You might have to do some research on what exactly this verse means because there's so many people that think it's like, just, what does it mean to you? And it should be, okay, what does God want that to mean? How was he writing that? What was he trying to say? And we can find that in the Bible. So in th First Thessalonians, I don't know that this is going to be up here, probably not. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That's one thing that he's telling us there already as believers. You should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control their own body that is holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust like a heathen who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. And as you keep continuing to reading through Thessalonians you will find other things in there that is mentioned. So in order to know what God's will is, you need to read in his word because it tells us God's will for his people is this. And then you find, see, the Lord's given us freedom. Freedom. I'm not one of those that that, that, that perfect wife is just going to, that God has for us is going to just fall on my doorstep. But he tells us, the type of girl we should look for. Don't seek somebody unequally yoked because that will get you in trouble. And that is so, so hard to, to get the students to understand. But there's a reason that God tells us that. I had to go to a comedy show to meet Lisa at a singles minister's conference 
And then from that day, she never let me go. <laughs> and I thank God for that because she is literally the perfect person for me. Oh, I waited a long time. I was getting nervous because I met Lisa when I was maybe 29 or 30. Oh, man, I was old. 30. But then, and then we got married quick. Now here we are 26 years later. And we still are in love with each other, even more than before. God gives us those freedom for us to use what he's taught us through his Bible in order to understand his will for us. It tells us in, in Ephesians 18, as we continue to move on, he says, and do not get drunk with wine. I was thinking about this because I hear people when I work with, and there's people that I just see in general that talk about how awesome of a great time they had, but they don't remember most of it. You know, and let me ask this. What is your idea of a great time? A really smashing great time. Think about what you regard as a good time. Then think about what your friends who are not Christians, who are not believers, or, or family members who are not Christians or believers, what do they regard as a good time? Is it the same thing? And if it is, something is going wrong. You know, the idea of a good time for some is just getting drunk, wild behavior. And that's something that's not new either. It started back in the days of Noah. And as you read through the scripture, and then you see the consequences of that sin that happened in their life. And that's why Paul is writing here this, because it was happening still. During this time, and he had just uh, um, gotten into those that call themselves Christ-like Christians. And he was trying to remind them who God is and what it is to live their life as a Christian. You know, he wouldn't have to write these verses unless there was a problem. And he did. A life that pleases God only by being filled with God himself, filled with God, the Holy Spirit. Verse 19 says, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You know, hymns go beyond those, those Baptist hymnals we had back in the day. You know that, boy, I remember when they put me to lead music at a little church, I could tell 160, 159 in La Cruz. You already knew about memory. Where to go and you'd find that song. Victoria and Cristo, I think it was page 183, and you would sing that song. But there are hymns now also 
Bill Gaither is one of the amazing hymn writers of today. Chris Tomlin is one of the amazing hymn writers of today. You know, I'm reminded, it says here, these are all songs that glorify God and praise and worship God. It tells us here that they sang these songs. And so, too, some of our worship songs are based in, in, in the psalms themselves. And it is good for us to base many of our worship songs on the psalms. David was a great musician, a great songwriter. For example, there's a song that, that we sang. Remember, it tells us here to sing this hymn, these spiritual songs, these psalms to one another. And back in the day, there was this song that I still love today, and I was playing it last night, and I'm sure my wife and daughter were thinking, what is dad doing? That song is old. The song that we sang, Mighty to Save. There's so much truth to that song. You know, and part of that song is addressing one another rather than God. Some of the songs that we just sang this morning are addressing one another other than God, but we're telling each other about how great is God. You know that song, How Great Is Our God? It's another wonderful and beautiful song, but Mighty to Save says, Savior, you can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. You know, we have to remind people that that's what he did. He can move those mountains that get in the way. And it might be those mountains might be some, some temptation that we just can't shake. He can. And he can help us through others that surround us to overcome those things that get in our life from us is living fully to him. Because there is no time to waste. And I really feel that more people would come to Christ if more people that call themselves Christians would live their life Christ-like. Because there's some out there that are saying, why should I live like him? He's no different than me. But we need to allow just to God just radiate from us that people ask you, there is something different about you. And that you'll be bold enough to tell them it's Jesus Christ. And I'll be more than happy to talk to you about Jesus Christ. And just share with them how I was the last one in my family to accept Christ. And my dad's a pastor. And my mom kept reminding me only because she was scared that Jesus would come and her son would not be following him. See, 
Acts 26 tells us and reminds us about what Paul did. You remember when Paul got in, in, in Philippi, he got in prison, him and, and Silas, and they were there, and then they, they started singing, and they started singing real loud, and they started singing real loud so those around them could hear the message that were in the song. We don't know what they were singing. I really think they were just singing a sermon, the message that they wanted to say. And they were just making stuff up, just singing, because it would amplify during in that jail. And those around there could sing. But this word here that we read says in verse 20, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's not easy to do. My mom worked with me a lot on that. To always give thanks, and she used to say, even if it hurts, give thanks to him. And then she will read me the life of Paul and how Paul faced all of these struggles, but even in those struggles, he gave thanks to the Lord. And if anybody knew what getting in trouble was, oh, it was Paul. And you remember the early days of Paul? He was the one that was putting the Christians in jail. And he did a complete 180. And he was bold for Christ. Acts 16, 22 tells a little bit about the life of Paul. He said, the, the crowd joined in attacking them. And the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stock. In the inner prison. I'm sure Paul was saying, yeah, put me in the middle because I want that message that we're going to do in there to go all the way around. And then at midnight, it tells us that, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. You have to remember, Paul and Silas at this moment, they were all full of blood, no clothes, just scars everywhere. But they were singing these songs because they knew and understood what it was to live Christ-like. And they so also understood that we don't know how long time we have here on earth. So they saw this as an opportunity to show God's love for all that could hear them. And Paul knew what it was to praise God in 
everything that goes on in our lives and to be thankful for those things. So too, we ourselves need to give thanks always to the Father and not just sometimes. Because I know there's sometimes that I say, okay, Lord, I'll give you thanks, but I ain't ready right now. And he reminds me that he's ready for me at all times. He does not put me on hold. He's ready for me. See, this attitude of thankfulness is the mark of being filled with the Holy Spirit, like it tells us here, being filled with the Spirit. This is all part of that process. And throughout Ephesians, we, we learn of the wonderful things that God has done for us and the spiritual blessing that God has given in Christ Jesus. So how should we live our life? The answer is, as Christ did. As God has told us to live. Well, can I bend a little? No. It's just, no, it'll cause more trouble in you. In you. We are either all in for Christ or we're not. Now, you give your life to Christ, and then there's a process. I believe in the process that takes you to the promise. But your eyes are still focused on God. Still focused on God. You know, I have these um, pedal cars that I brought home. These are the things that are junk. They are rusted, <laughs> really rusted. But they're going to go through a process to where at the end they look brand spanking new. Oh, they're pedal cars already. But they're going to go through that process. I think one of them is older than my wife. Yes. But, you know, we say that phrase, God is good, and then you say, all the time, then all the time. Let's remember that. Because sometimes we're wondering, okay, what's going on? Instead of asking, what is God trying to teach me through this? But we've had so many things break down at our house. Oh, my Lord, you name it, it's broke. You know, our microwave went down. We don't know what to do without a microwave. Like, we can't even, <laughs> we can't even uh, heat up leftovers. And then you, you try to heat up leftovers, and it ain't the same. All the juice is gone because it's already evaporated. You know, and it's just, but we say, okay. I wrote down the serial number. I said, I'm going to look on, on Mr. Amazon and see what he has to say, how much those parts cost compared to our home warranty, see which one will get it done. There was no need to get mad at the microwave or anything. But even on the drive this morning, we were just asking, how did we do it before microwaves? <laughs> you know? Let me ask you this. How did we do it before Christ? And how's your life different now? 
with Christ. Let us pray. Father, Lord, I come to you in prayer, Lord, at this time. Just giving you, Lord, so much thanks, Father, for all the things that you do, Father, in our lives. Lord, I know there's been time that you've stretched me, Lord, but then I saw the final result, Lord. There was times, Father, that I felt that I was punched, Lord, but then I saw why, Lord. There was times, Father, that I just felt that I was moving in the wrong direction, Lord, when I knew you were telling me to go that way, Lord. And now I know why, Father. Father, I pray that every day of our life, Father, can be honorable, Father, acceptable, Father, to you, Father. And I pray, Father, that those around us can see something different, Lord. Even those new believers, Father, that people can see Man, there's something different about you. What happened, Lord? I remember, Father, my dad at the gas station, Father, and all the friends that he had to let go. It's the first time back going to that gas station. And they were asking him, where were you last night? And he said, I was getting rest for church this morning. Thank you, Lord, for that example, Father. Father, we pray that you just use us this week, Father, to bright somebody's life, Father, with your love, Father, and your grace and your mercy. What is your holy name that we pray in Jesus Christ? Amen.